0: So I haven't preached in a while, um, and uh, one of the things I most love to do in this life is to preach the Word of God. And uh, so I haven't been here for a while, so it's exciting for me to to bring you the Word of God this morning. And Ruben will tell you that when it's my turn to preach, I, I'm really nervous in the week. I'm really nervous leading up to Sunday. On Sunday mornings, I, I stay away from the coffee and breakfast because I'm just like in the zone. I'm, I'm going to preach. Um, because I understand the responsibility, and I feel the responsibility of preaching the word of God and in the world that we live in today where we're all so busy doing so many things, I I, I feel like it's such a privilege to have 40 minutes of your undivided attention to listen to something that I have to say about the word and the truth of God for our lives. And so it's exciting and I pray that God will use me this morning and that his word, more than my words, his word will be transmitted to you. But I've had a good week this week. Uh, for those of you who know me, um, I really, really enjoy doing sports. And this week was quite a sports-filled week. Uh, on Tuesday, I got to play some football. Usually I play five aside, and this week, after like two or three years, I got to play seven aside, so that was fun. And then on Thursday, I went out with some of the guys from church, with Ralph and Chris and Bradley and some others, and we played paddle. Now this was like competitive paddle, so it was really, uh, really fun. Um and and I've just I've grown up playing sports. And uh, one of the fondest memories that I have of going back, if I think of, of the time when I used to play competitively, one of the favorite memories that I have that pre-game feeling and for those of you who played competitively even in school you'll remember that pre-game feeling where anything could happen. You're so excited, you have butterflies, you're in the locker room putting on your your equipment, your cleats and and you have have your music in and and everybody has their pre-game playlist and so you're listening to to that music and you're in the zone and then you walk out on the pitch, especially in team sports, you walk out on the pitch, everybody's excited and right before the game starts, the coach or the captain and we'll call the whole team together together for that team huddle, right? And we have a picture of it, just so that you you envision what it's like. And everybody gets together, and whether it's the captain or the coach, they'll give that last minute strategy of what we're gonna do, that play that we're gonna do, and and emotions are, are, are flying, everybody's feeling all sorts of things, and you get all excited, everyone's inspired. And then you'll do some sort of chant. Usually it's about how, it's a some song about how we're going to win and how we're the winners and that's who we are. Uh, and then you'll count to three. One, two, three, break. And everybody kind of like just breaks. And now imagine if you're watching this, right? And I'm sure you've either been in a huddle or you've watched a huddle. Imagine if you're watching this and right as they count to three, one, two, three, break. Everybody's excited. And instead of running out into their different positions to play the game and to run the play that they've just talked about, they would kind of just, walk over to the side and sit on the bench. It'd be weird, right? (laughs) I mean, you'd be looking at at these players like, what in the world is going on? And then even more weird, imagine if they're sitting on the bench, and they get back up, coach calls them again, huddle, and everybody's excited, and everybody's inspired, and the coach tells them another play and the strategy, and and they're all excited, they do their chant, we're the winners, we're gonna win, one, two, three, break. And instead of going out, (laughs) Again, instead of going out and running to play, they walk over and they sit on the bench. I mean, now you're thinking, this isn't just strange. This isn't just weird. It's pointless. It's ridiculous. What in the world are these people doing? And unfortunately, I think that often this is what many churches look like. This is what many Christians look like. On Sunday, we get excited and we have this emotional experience and the preacher is preaching the word of God and we're listening to the gospel. Yes, yes, that I want that in my life. Yes, I'm going to go out and, and God wants to use me and God wants to work in my life and God wants to use me to transform the world and to bring light into the world. And then Monday hits and we kind of just walk over to our workplace and we sit through the week. And as we've been doing this message series about the Holy Spirit, Our aim is that we would not just listen to the Holy Spirit. We not just not just know about the Holy Spirit, but that we would actually invite him into our lives so that he can use us in our workplace. He can use us in our universities. He can use us in our families and that we would allow him to change us and use us and transform us so that we're not just excited on a Sunday, but we're living out our faith everywhere we go because that is what Christianity is all about. God wants to use you. And this morning, I'm going to be speaking about, last week, Peter spoke about the fruits of the Spirit. And this week, I'm going to end this message series, and we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, this was a challenge and a half to try to get a message about the gifts of the Holy Spirit into 40 minutes. So I'm really going to try my best. I have my stopwatch on my new watch that I got yesterday from my husband. Um, (laughs) And I have my stopwatch. I'm going to try my best to fit this into 40 minutes. But well, we're gonna go back to Luke chapter 24. And Reuben began the message series with this chapter. And it's, it's the last conversation, in-person conversation that Jesus has with the disciples. After that, it was all Zoom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's the last conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples before he goes back to heaven. And as Reuben mentioned in the beginning of the message series, by now the disciples they knew Jesus they had walked with Jesus for three years they had seen him teach they had seen him preach to thousands of people they'd seen him heal they'd seen him do amazing miraculous gifts right in front of their eyes I mean they had seen Jesus hanging on a cross being killed they had seen Jesus die right before their eyes and now here he is standing right in front of them they knew that they knew that they knew that this was the son of God this was the the Messiah and they were ready they were fired up they were inspired to go out into all the world and fulfill the Great Commission and a o- great commandment and obey the Great Commission and for those of you who don't know, the Great Commandment is the commandment that we read in the Bible to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds, and to love our neighbor as ourself. And the Great Commission is the commission that Jesus gave all of His disciples. Now go out into all the world, making disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, reminding them of the things that I have taught you. And that's why we're going to go out today. And we're going to baptize Noah and we're going to baptize Valeria because we want to fulfill the great commission and so the disciples they were ready they were ready to go out and and tell all the nations of everything that they had seen and everything that they had heard bringing light into darkness and yet Jesus as he finishes this conversation with them he says okay now the first step is just stay put (laughs) the first step is is don't go anywhere He tells them in verse 49, he says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And so the first thing we need to understand when it comes to being a Christian is that without the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we can do nothing. Everything we have, every breath, every talent, every gift, is from the Holy Spirit that's why Jesus didn't just tell them hey James uh, you're a pretty good public speaker go out and and preach for me hey um, Thomas you're pretty good with money maybe you should go out and and be an administrator hey he didn't do that it wasn't based on their personality skills it wasn't based on some trait that they had no Jesus says man you guys you guys you're gonna need the power of the Spirit You're going to need his strength. You're going to need his wisdom. You're going to need his perseverance to go beyond your capabilities. And so as Christians, we need to understand that in order to fulfill the great commandment, in order to obey the great commission, we need the Spirit to go beyond our limitations, to go beyond our personality, to go beyond our resources. We need the power of the Spirit. And secondly, when the Holy Spirit comes to abide in us, Everything changes and it's exciting and it's inspiring and it's amazing. You see, it's impossible to invite a supernatural God to live inside of our hearts and to expect things to stay the same. The Holy Spirit comes into our hearts so that we might live our lives in a radically different way. So that we may love in a radically different way. So that we may forgive and we may give in a radically different way. So that wherever we go and whatever we do, we create impact. And we create change that goes beyond our own limitations, that goes beyond our own imagination. Paul says at one point in the word of God, he says, listen, now it's no longer I who speak. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in Christ who loved me and who saved me. And so when the Holy Spirit comes, it's no longer just you living. It's Christ living inside of you. And so what are these gifts? We're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What are these gifts? Now, I don't know about you, but I like receiving gifts. <laughs> I thought that uh, gifts wasn't one of my love languages, but I'm starting to reconsider. Those flowers that came with the watch were really nice. <laughs> but the Bible describes God as being a good father who loves his children and who wants to give beautiful gifts to his children. So what are they? In Acts chapter 1, we read that the disciples did just as Jesus instructed. They stayed in Jerusalem waiting for this helper that he had promised when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes. And we call this the day of Pentecost. Now, I don't have time to go into it this morning, but go and read Acts chapter 1 and read about this moment when the Holy Spirit comes and he fills the believers and provides them with supernatural gifts that enable them to serve God with power and with ability and in 1st Corinthians Paul lists some of these gifts and we read I'm not gonna read the verses but I I put them there so that you can take notes and read them later and so that you know that I'm preaching from the Word of God (laughs) but in 1st Corinthians Paul lists some of these gifts being wisdom knowledge faith healing evangelism prophecy discernment of spirits speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. If some of these gifts don't make sense to you, please come and speak to us, and we'd love to explain more about these gifts. And then in Romans, Paul mentions other gifts like service, teaching, exhortation, generosity, leadership, mercy, and compassion. And the list goes on. The Bible says that, that there are different kinds of gifts. There's all kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Now, the most important thing we need to understand about the gifts of the Spirit, and actually about any gift, is its purpose. If Reuben was to give me a really expensive perfume, and I just thought it was a box, I'd put it up for decoration, and I'd be terribly misusing that gift. This week on Friday was Day's birthday, um, and... They're not here today. They had a wedding yesterday in Faru, but it was her birthday and, um, a few of us got together and bought her what I think is a really cool present. But as she opened it on Friday morning, it just looked like a box. <laughs> and she wasn't quite sure what it was. And she, and the first question that she asked was, what is this for? <laughs> and you can ask her what it actually was. I'll leave that curious to you. Um, But that's the first question we have to ask. The Holy Spirit gives us beautiful and incredible gifts, but we have to ask him, what are the gifts for? What is their purpose? And it's when we don't ask this question that we either ignore or neglect the gifts or we completely misuse them. And so what are they for? In Romans, Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he says this in his letter. He's saying this to his friends. He's saying this to brothers and sisters in the church. He says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, in this translation, this expression, impart to you some spiritual gift, it might be misleading because it sounds like Paul is saying, I, I can't wait to be with you to help you get a gift or, or to, to give you some spiritual gift. But, but that's not what it's saying. The text actually means that he wants to give them the benefit of his gifts. In other words, he's saying, I long to see you that I may use my gifts to strengthen you. That I may use the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given me to strengthen your faith. And so we can learn from this verse that spiritual gifts are for strengthening others. We receive gifts from the Holy Spirit, not to keep them for ourselves, not to hoard them, but but to give them to others, to edify others, to bless others, to strengthen the faith of others. And in this letter to the church in Rome that's what Paul is saying man I can't wait to be with you so that I can use the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given me to bless you and to strengthen you and Paul knows that that his brothers and sisters also have been given gifts to meet his needs and to encourage his faith and so often Christians spend their time trying to identify which is their spiritual gift (laughs) Proudly naming their gift as if it was some possession that comes from, their, from themselves. When the question we should be asking is not, how am I specially gifted? The question that we should be asking is, God, how can I strengthen the faith of others today? God, how are people struggling around me? And how can you use me to encounter them? A spiritual gift is an expression of faith that aims to strengthen faith. God, I believe in you and God, I, I wanna be used by you to strengthen others so that they may be reminded of who you are, so that they may be reminded of your promises and somehow God use me so that they can come closer to your love. And then in First Peter chapter four we read, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts, use them well to serve one another. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. And so in this passage, we understand that spiritual gifts are meant to serve others. And in everything, they're meant to glorify God. They're meant to exalt God. And so when we are given gifts, the Bible says that we shouldn't boast about them. We shouldn't become arrogant about them. When you have a gift, you should use it in such a way that people don't see you. They see God in you. That when you lead, people don't see your great leadership. They see God in your leadership. They see God in your hospitality. They see God in the wisdom that you share with others. They don't see you. They see God. A gift is not just a cool personality trait. A gift of the Holy Spirit is a channel for God to be revealed through you. Now notice how in this verse in 1 Peter, it says God has given each of you a gift. Now when Peter wrote this letter, he wasn't just saying dear pastors and worship leaders and really cool people of the church. (laughs) No, he's talking to the whole church. He says, God has given each of you a gift. All who seek him, all who believe in him, all who invite him to live in their hearts. God has given each of you a gift. And now I, I need every one of you in this room to understand that gifts are not just for a few. They are for everyone. The Bible says in Galatians that in Christ we are all children of God through faith. And it says there is now neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And at Riverside, we believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for all believers with no distinction. All who are faithful to Him, all who seek Him, all who are hungry for Him, all who are hungry for the Holy Spirit to live inside of their lives, the gifts are for everyone with no distinction. That means that God can give any gift to anyone, however He pleases, regardless of age, regardless of gender, regardless of how long you've been a Christian. If gifts are meant to edify the body and to bring glory to God, we believe that no one is excluded. Now, some Christians think that God does not give certain gifts like leadership or teaching to women, for example. And while I respect them and I love them, I clearly disagree. (laughs) Because when Reuben and I, we read the scriptures as a whole, we can't help but conclude that God can and will use anyone however he wants to transmit his unending love for this world. And not only does the Holy Spirit not discriminate between people, but he also doesn't withhold certain gifts from the church today. Some Christians are what you call cessationists. And in a very simplistic explanation, cessationists believe in miraculous gifts like prophecy and healing and speaking and interpretation of tongues. They just don't believe these gifts are available for the church today. In their line of thought, These kinds of revelatory gifts, they they serve their purpose in the early church to validate the gospels. But now that the Bible has been written, they're no longer necessary. And again, I love and I respect any Christian who will side with cessationism. We can still worship together. We can still do church together. We can still do life together and serve the same God. But I have to disagree with this line of thought. At Riverside, we're what you call continuationists. We believe that all the gifts are still available. If we go back to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and first filled the believers, we read that Peter got up and he started preaching. Now this guy was just a fisherman. And next thing, he's speaking with boldness by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that just on that day, 3,000 people decided to follow Jesus. And we read, this is what he was saying. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, it's to your children, and to those far away. All who have been called by the Lord our God. He doesn't say the spirit and, and nowhere in the word do we see that somehow the gifts stop or any of the gifts were no longer available. Peter, in this passage, he doesn't say, hey, this promise of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the spirit is just for you guys. and maybe your children, but then it kind of stops with your grandchildren. We don't read that in the Bible. And so the power of the spirit is for everyone back then. And we believe the gifts are available for us today. God will use anyone, however he wants, whenever he wants, to strengthen our faith and to glorify his name. And so we know what the gifts are, and we know why God gives us these gifts. The last question is, how do we live these gifts out in our lives? How do we live these gifts out in the, in the church? And the first step is, we need to desire the gifts. We read in 1 Corinthians Chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Pursuing love and desiring gifts are completely interconnected. You can't pursue love without gifts and you can't pursue gifts without love. On the one hand, when we love God and we love our neighbors as ourselves, we will want to do anything. We will be willing for God to use us however he wants so that we may be an expression of his love for him and for other people. And on the other hand, we cannot desire the gifts of the Spirit without love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we read that we could have all the gifts in the world, but if we don't have love, then they mean nothing and they achieve nothing see there's two types of people in the church some of you don't eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit because you don't think they're for you you don't think God wants to give you the gifts okay maybe God wants to use Gabby maybe God wants to use Ruben Jamil Don but not me I can't sing I'm not all that wise I I I I'm not a good leader. I don't have the gift of hospitality. I I I can't speak in front of five people, never mind 50 or 100. <laughs> and you don't desire the gifts because you have this false understanding that somehow they're about you. But listen, that's the whole point. God does not depend on your capabilities to use you. I'm not preaching because one day I realize, huh, I can speak in front of people. I guess I'm going to do this. (laughs) No, I'm preaching because God has called me to it at this moment in my life. And every time I preach, I rely and I depend on the power of the Holy Spirit that I may stand up here and not just say some nice words, but that God may speak straight to your heart in a way that surpasses my capabilities as a public speaker. That's the whole point. God wants to use you beyond what you are capable. God is calling every single one of us. And as a good father, he wants to give us gifts. But you have to be open to receive them. When you are a child of God, and I, I want to emphasize this. When you are a child of God, you are enough. Because he qualifies you. And he equips you. And he chooses you to do great and miraculous things and I want to urge you today don't neglect the call of God on your life it's not about you it's all about God and what he wants to do in you and through you and then we have some others in the church and they're the exact opposite they don't neglect the gifts they eagerly desire the gifts especially the miraculous ones But man, they do it for all the wrong reasons. And you know what I'm talking about. I'm sure you've seen it. I'm sure you've been to some pretty wacky churches and some pretty wacky environments. And and, and these people, they desire the gifts eagerly. But they share the same false understanding that somehow the gifts are about us. And so they're, they're not looking to glorify God. They're not looking to edify each other's faith. They're looking for attention. They're looking for approval. They're looking for status. They're looking for self-gain. And when this happens, man, it's disastrous. There's manipulation. And there's deceit. It's fake. And it ultimately doesn't bring any glory to God. And if you're like me, and I'll admit that this morning because it's definitely something that God has convicted me of this, this week as I prepare this message. If you're like me, you've seen so much abuse of the gifts of the Spirit. You've seen so much excess in the church that we can easily start to become cynical of the miraculous gifts altogether. Oh, here's another prophecy. Oh, there he goes again, praying for healing. Oh, somebody's heard a word from God. <laughs> See, we 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 say that we believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. And theologically, we side with continuationism. Yes, the gifts of the Spirit are available, and God wants to. And He does give every gift according to His purpose. But then we stop eagerly pursuing certain gifts out of fear. Out of fear of stepping out in faith and messing up. Or out of fear of stepping out and looking like these other fools we criticize. But this week, God really spoke to me as I prepared this message. And this is what I felt in my spirit, this is what I felt in my heart. We cannot allow the immaturity, the error, and the abuses of others to dictate whether or not we will obey the Bible. I have said this before, and I'll say it again. All too often as Christians, we excuse ourselves from obeying the Bible by blaming the failure of others to obey the Bible. So we say, "Oh yes, I, I would turn the other cheek," as as the Bible says. But you provoked me, <laughs> or yes, I, I would respect you, but your behavior doesn't deserve my respect. Man, we've seen this in the U.S. American or U.S. American, the U.S. presidential elections. The things I've heard Christians say, <laughs> the things I've heard Christians critic. The way that they've criticized, the way that they've lost all respect. Oh, because they don't deserve our respect. We would would forgive, but you never ask for forgiveness. I would submit to your authority, but you don't have servant leadership. And in this case, I would eagerly pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit just as the Bible commands, but you have abused and misused the gifts so badly that I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to excuse myself from that command. And when we do that, we limit what God wants to do. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says that by doing that we quench the spirit, we start to despise these gifts. And so if that's you, and certainly this was me this week, I want you to examine your heart and see where perhaps cynicism or fear is taking the place of faith in your heart and in your walk with God. And as I conclude today, I wanna remind you that God is a supernatural God. And that he's bound to do some pretty supernatural things in and through our lives. He's bound to do some things that don't make sense. He's bound to do some things that look strange to the world. I mean, our whole faith as Christians begins with a pregnant virgin. <laughs> Can we take a moment to, to think about that? <laughs> That's not normal. <laughs> That's insane. A supernatural God is bound to do some supernatural things in your life. Things that are beyond your imagination. Things that don't always make sense, but are for His glory, according to His purpose. And this supernatural God, He wants to abide in you through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And He wants to empower you with gifts, with supernatural abilities, so that you may strengthen each other's faith and bring glory to God. Now, I'm not talking about superpowers. I'm talking about God anointing you to lead beyond your abilities. God using you to pray for people that they may be healed by His power. God using you to encourage others. God using you to meet the needs of others in a way that surpasses your own resources, your own skills, and your own personality. The supernatural God wants to live inside of you and He wants to move inside of you. But you have to be open and you have to be willing. And lastly, I want to encourage you to pursue love and to eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Be willing to say yes to God when He calls you. Don't just huddle up on a Sunday morning and see, oh, God's using Gabby and, and God's using Reuben and Jamil. That's really cool. And I'm inspired being in this place, but then go and sit throughout your week. No. Be willing to say yes, however God calls you. Be willing to be used by him. Meet the needs. Don't, don't over-spiritualize the gifts of the Holy Spirit where you have to identify exactly which is your gift. No, meet the needs of the people around you. Be sensitive to the calling of the Holy Spirit that as you're working in your cubicle at work or as you're sitting in your classroom and the Holy Spirit says, hey, hey, that person's struggling with their sleep. Maybe you should go and pray for them. Hey, that person's struggling and they need some cal- Maybe you should go and, and give them some advice if, if, they, if they open up if they open up for that. Hey, as you're in, in your in your day-to-day and your routine, and the Holy Spirit shows you that, that somebody's really struggling with loneliness, will you be used with the gift of hospitality? As you just say, hey man, come over to our house, have some dinner with us. Be sensitive, don't just huddle up. And then sit throughout the week. The Holy Spirit wants you to go out into your different positions and run the play. And be the light in the darkness. And eagerly desires means, I'm going to ask the the band to come up. To eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. This is what it means. Start with the Bible. And I've quoted a lot of scripture just in this message. But go, go home and read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, Acts chapter 1, and there's different, different portions, different scriptures of the Bible that speak more on the gifts of the Spirit and ask God for understanding. Number two, pray. Seek the fullness of Christ and allow Him to speak to you. Allow Him to anoint you. Allow the Holy Spirit to, to impart gifts on you. To edify your faith. Number three, consume sound teaching and testimonies. Now, there's a lot of misinformation on the internet. There's a lot of fake news about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So don't just go home and Google gifts of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I encourage you, come to Reuben and I, and we'll share some, some teachers that we think are good teachers of the Bible, good teachers of what we believe is the right interpretation and the right application in our lives. Consume sound teaching and testimonies. And lastly, Just meet a need. Just be attentive to the people around you. And be willing to say yes when God wants to use you. As a child of God, as a father, he wants to give you good gifts. But you have to be open. And I want to remind everyone today, the gifts are not just to edify each other here in these four walls. That's what Alana, Alana, (laughs) Alana... That's what Alana was saying. Church is not just about these four walls. So many times I see Christians that they want to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit and they want to see healing and they want to see speaking in tongues and they want to see prophecy at church, but then they go at home and there's no healing at home and they don't pursue the prophecies at home or in their workplace. No, the Holy Spirit doesn't just want to move here, even though he does want to move here. But he wants to move outside these four walls. Jesus himself said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I came for those who need a doctor. And the gifts are meant to bring glory to God that he may be revealed through you. And so ask him, God, how, how can you use me? How can you use me in these gifts? Don't become proud. Don't become arrogant about them. It's not about us. It's not about doing some pretty cool supernatural thing as if it was out of our own doing. It's about a humility to say, God, you're the reason that I sing. You're the reason that I live. Come and do whatever you want. Come and have your way in my life. And I asked Emil to sing this song that we're gonna sing now, and I want you to, it's a new song we haven't sang here, but I want you to think about these words. And make them your prayer. It says, God, I'm not going to stop you. Do whatever you want to do. Have your way, your kingdom come, your will be done. I want to be used by you. Here I am. And when you do, man, God does incredible things. I could just spend another 40 minutes just telling you about my testimony and all that God has done. And sometimes I, I think, wow, what in the world? What did I just say? How did that happen? And if I tried it again, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to. Because it's the power of the Spirit. It's the power of God. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. God wants to use you. Let's sing this song.